You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So, Sid Talk, what's the before the after the show discussion? Very annoyed what? at our discussion. Probably nothing that nothing that specifically had happened. But I'm extremely pissed off at the concept That's good. that our Mediacom, which is our internet provider, can pick and choose, according to what you've told me. Now, I don't know. I have to look it up. That's true. But they can pick and choose what sites they can slow down, I'm assuming even cut off if they want to, that make me have extra bandwidth. I don't think they can cut off. I can because our YouTube's strong. gotten slower the last few days, and you're saying to me, oh, that's because Mediacom saw that you use YouTube a lot, so they can throttle the bandwidth that it uses. That's bullshit. That is and true. And pardon me for swearing at any kids here, but you have to learn, kids, that when something is wrong, it's wrong. Now, that's bullshit, because I pay my bill. I pay the $50 a month for us to use the internet. It's not for them to decide what I look at. If there's a legal case or I'm doing something horrible, illegal, like child porn or well, something, the point is, I don't have a problem with that. But don't pick and choose. They're not stopping you looking at it. They're just making it slower. See, so you keep making an excuse for them. No, I'm not. I'm just saying you what are. they You're giving them an out. Say. There well, is no out. They can't decide that it's slow for me. There is, because they wrote it in their small print. I don't care. That's it's. I think irrespons- the law is more... What? It's not a law what they write in their piece of paper. Well, it is, isn't it? It's, it's just their rules. Yeah. And I don't give a shit. It's wrong. They can't pick and I mean, first it of all, they're monitoring cost- what we're doing. Correct. Second of all, then looking at it and going, oh yeah, how can they look at me specifically anyway? I'm one of about 70,000 people. Because they can look at your account, look at your IP address that's assigned to your account, and then they know it's you. Right, so a person is sitting there going through my account specifically. Uh, going, maybe oh, if they particularly flagged accounts, maybe. But why would I be flagged? I'm not using much more than I'm sure normal people use. I think we use more than most people. I bet we don't. For I bet we're not one of very tiny percentage. I bet you we are not, because well, a lot of people. But we can't. We're not though, because loads of people cancel their cable, so all they use is Netflix and YouTube. That right there is what has bumped ours up. But it's not for them to decide to slow down one of those for us to pick and choose. Oh, I, I'm on. I'm on the side of let, let's have as much as we want. I just know. no. I want what I pay for. That's right. all I'm saying. I'm not one of these people who goes, oh, free the internet for everybody. I understand. It's a service. They have equipment. They have personnel. Fine. They have to pay their bills. I pay my bill when I pay them for my internet. And I expect to that just to be what it is. So I'm going to call on Monday and find out the truth. And the uh, Twitter noise that you might hear occasionally is Epic Conspiracy <laughs> uh, from YouTube tw- tweeting me during the podcast. So thanks, dude. That's great. What's he saying? Maybe you should re- reply to him now. If he re- if he does well, it again, I'll, I'll read huh? it out. <laughs> All right, so it is Saturday, February the 16th, 2000, 2013. And this is After the Show, the weekly movie review podcast. And it's episode 262. The movie we're going to be looking at this week is Skyfall. It's a 2012 movie. Um, released on Blu-ray this week, the 12th of February. It's a PG-13, it's from our friends at Fox, and you can get it now. There isn't a tagline to this movie. Uh, and Sid Talk's going to give you the synopsis of Skyfall. There isn't a synopsis either. It's James Bond. 
Okay, it's James Bond. Well, he's uh, got guns in the car and stuff blows up. There's a bad guy and a sexy girl. There, people do not need me for me to explain this to them. There's a different plot, actually, uh, obviously, but no, Skyfall is a James Bond movie. And it's the twenty-third <laughs> James Bond movie in the series. Here's the long- my synopsis of James Bond movies: He's a spy. There's a bad guy. He's got a boss. Some people get shot. There's a sexy lady or two. And uh, the world never actually blows up in the end. And um, it's the longest running movie franchise of all of them. All of them been going since the sixties. So name some others. There are there aren't any others. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm saying like, one because there. Harry Potter went on for a long time, or mm. Lord of the Rings did, or Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. That's a long running mm. franchise. It's not got as many movies. It's the same, movies. though, is it? Not as many movies as this one. So, Bond 23, Skyfall. I thought um, it was 24. 23. 23. Right. I was just looking at a website and it said it was number 24, but maybe they were counting the one that isn't a Bond movie. Taken from the back of the box. I'm not questioning No, I'm just you. saying. I'm just questioning to, them. Just to, uh, you don't have to Daniel clarify. Craig is back as James Bond, the 23rd installment of the longest running film franchise in history. Right, I get it. I'm just saying, maybe the I'm website. I'm not giving it to wrong. you. I'm just saying it for the listeners, so right. we don't want to get this wrong. Twenty third Bond film. So excited to see um, a new Bond film every time I but see. But very technically, it is actually twenty four because Sean Connery made the one that he was Bond yeah, in. That's but not it's official. Out, well, it's outside of the broccoli people. World. Casino Royale isn't official either. Uh, that doesn't count. That was the very first TV movie. Yeah, right? TV movie. So that, that one doesn't count, but the actual ones that Eon Productions do. You don't mean Casino Royale from 2006. No, I mean the original <laughs> Peter Sellers uh, TV show. From the 70s. James Bond, yeah. Um, so yeah, those are the two ones that don't... Wait, that, that when was that? It must have been the 60s. It was the 60s, yeah. So, um, Skyfall. I'm always excited to see a new Bond film. I really like Daniel Craig. I loved Casino Royale. It's one of my favourite... Bond films, actually. Quantum of Solace, I didn't like as much. And you know why? I was just thinking yesterday. Why didn't I like Quantum of Solace as much? Because it's not as memorable. I don't remember a lot about it. I saw it once. I was excited to see it because I saw Casino Royale and it's the direct sequel to Casino Royale. But when I think back, I don't remember the bad guy. I don't remember really what the whole deal was. I remember a part where they're in a plane going through a canyon... That's remember all the I can bad guy remember. was a young guy, remember? I believe. Yeah, but it's really... it's it's It must have been more uneventful than Casino Royale because I remember everything about that movie. You know? Which one had the Venice? Casino Royale. Okay. Yeah, so the Quantum of Solace, I don't... I know there was, like... Water was the issue. Yeah, and there was a... Like a hotel in the desert. But I don't remember all the ins and outs of it whereas Casino Royale I can remember all the ins and outs of it so I just think Quantum of Solace was less memorable in a way but we're, we're not talking about that we're talking about Skyfall so um, I was excited to see what they would do this time not disappointed at all I no. think this was um, I love Casino Royale and it, I, I think this is alongside it in memorability you know like where, where I'll think back and go oh yeah that was a good bad guy that was a good scenario they put him in you know and what I liked about this was how they kind of stripped him back like they've done before 
you like one in particular, mm-hmm. Die, another, Die Another Day, which uh, they strip Bond back a bit. He like. starts off, he's not part of it, he's no. down and out, he's been injured, he's been held captive. And that's really interesting to me, because you've got such a history with him if you've seen all the films. And in this one, it starts like that. You know, it's it's a different... I mean, it's not quite the same. It's not the same, but it still no. feels different, because... See, I don't feel like it was enough of that. It didn't feel cut off enough for me. He didn't feel down and out enough. And, I mean, I love the movie, but that didn't come across. Plus the time frame, what we're talking about, him being down and out and then returning. I, I have no clue. I, I, I needed I, that. I assumed it was a few months or something. Yeah, but I don't, want yeah. To, I don't want to assume because when they say how long, you know, well, you've been, we've done this, we've done that, we've sold off this and that I'm thinking well that could have been a year it could have been two years it, he's got a scar so that would have been long enough to heal that but there was never was never defined and it was never in your face so much about him being other than he's drinking a lot and he's kind of down and out looking but it needed just a little bit stronger just a tiny bit he kind of lost the he, when he was doing the drinking game with the scorpion mm-hmm. it was like he lost the will to live like he just didn't give a shit because like, you could oh, die, you co- could die doing that. I felt the opposite. I felt like he was like nothing can kill me. See, I, I thought I felt the opposite. I thought that he just didn't give a shit yeah. anymore. I felt the opposite. This is it. There's nothing. You can't hurt me, Scorpio, because I've I've already died. There's nothing you can do to me. But anyway, the what I liked about this was, um, and there's lots of things I liked about it, so I could gush <laughs> about it for an hour. But go for the it. main points are. They blended old Bond story with this new version of Bond that they started with Casino Royale. You know, this new reinvention of Bond. When da- when Daniel Craig stepped in, they kind of went back to basics with it. Well, what they did with this one, because we got kind of the, the story of Casino Royale out of the way, and this is a new case, they started to mix in elements that we as viewers who've watched for years know about. And I don't want to spoil them, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. there's things that as a Bond viewer, you will go, yes. So, in fact, they did not start over fresh. No, they, are- they didn't. They started, actually, they started over fresh and then, like like Sam Mendes, um, started to draw on what yeah. they already have slowly to inter- reintroduce it back in. I like that method because it still feels different. Yeah, you still have Q and M and, you know, it's this, it's... It's the bond, you know, but they they do go to an effort to change it, like like the, like the gadgets scene, for instance. Mm-hmm. We're all used to the gadget scene. Just just a point of interest, and I can't remember. Um, the guy who played um, Q, Llewellyn, he died just recently, uh, and he was Q. Was he Q in? Mm-hmm. It was Monty Python guy. Yeah, I know John Cleese was, and John Cleese introduced you to his nephew. Is this guy the nephew, or is this a new guy? Different guy. Right, because I remember them setting that up, and John mm-hmm. Cleese saying, I'm too old for this, I've got to hand it over to my nephew. And there was a young, kind of nerdy-looking guy, but this is not him. Right, it wasn't, because he met him. Oh, so he wouldn't Oh, know. yeah, he'd already met yeah. that guy. So, Llewellyn did, the last time he did it was uh, Pez Brosnan Bond. I don't know, I don't remember. So I was trying to sure figure it wasn't out Casino Royale to hand it over. I think to it might thing. have been Casino Royale. I was trying to figure out the lineage of Q, and then Q now is this young upstart, which I I don't hundred percent like, but I think it makes sense mm-hmm. in this day and age, right? You can't have some old dude who knows next to nothing about new technology, and well, it's going to be a young into, dude. That's buying into their explanation. If you're but, talking reality, you would have the old dude training the new dude for years. 
it wouldn't be like he's gone I'm in so it doesn't make perfect sense it's just that they want that fresh face so I, stuff. I like the mixture like, of old Bond and new Bond and you know there are some moments that if you're a fan of Bond you will like smile and the hairs on the back of your neck will stand up like they, Sean Connery's car is in this and they play the classic Bond tune, not the remix tune, the actual tune from the 60s, while he's driving it. And you can't deny that that's iconic. Like you, that could be James, that could be Sean Connery driving down the road. It's the same scene, right? Um, they do small things where they where Q mentions we don't do like yeah. exploding pens anymore. All those things made me feel warm inside, like for but for Bond. But then in, on another side of it, I felt like oh, we're leaving that stuff behind now, though. Because, like, now Bond doesn't get any gadgets. Just yeah, gets... but they're not leaving it behind. No, they're not. No. They're not, are they? But um, the other thing I think is fantastic about this film, and it's possibly the best thing about it, is the cinematography. It's the best-looking Bond film I have ever seen. And Bond films don't generally... I mean, yes, they have gorgeous locations, but the framing of this movie, like, every, it's it reminded me of a Wes Anderson movie at times. I was like... like it's just gorgeous. Like the who is Deakins who did the photography. Robert Deakins is he's done. I think he did the um, coward Robert Ford that one. But he composes these shots and and they're so beautiful. Like where Bonds, I mean it's not even Bonds on this little boat going through the Shanghai and there's all neon Shanghai signs. Every single shot of that could be a, a post painting poster, whatever. Right and then. The in the building mm-hmm. high up and there's Definitely advertising and, and shadows and the, the fight's just shadows having a fight. It's well, it's a silhouette, silhouette yeah. having a fight. But I mean, everything is perfectly fair. Even just the mon- most mundane scenes where we're looking at the coffins in a row, mm-hmm. it's just all really beautifully thought out in the. And I don't think other Bond films do that. They just they're pretty straight up. Like this seemed a bit more artistic. I couldn't get over it because it just kept happening over and over again. A scene on the on a frozen lake with the with the yeah. light at the back, and the I was like, "Wow, this is like an actual. This is actually artistic. It's not just a straight up action thing. It, somebody thought about how it looked properly. They didn't go, gotta have a frozen lake. Let's have a fight. It was more like, no, let's get the atmosphere right and let's get it looking. I found that all the time. Everything, even that like casino that they went in where he met the woman. Mm-hmm. Yep, everything's the, symmetrical. Yeah, it's and and the way it's filmed. Beautiful. That was my favorite thing about the whole thing. And I was like, wow, we can bring like really top class cinematography into like an action movie because that's what this is at heart, right? Transpot or train, um, train spotting had that. And I think Transporter had some really good camera work too. Yeah, but this is like in another league. It's, it's really, especially in high definition, and you can see everything. And they were just, you know, this the really iconic scene. I love it. I want it as a wallpaper for my um, desktop <laughs> at the end where the where Bond is stood in a certain place yeah, and the Union yeah. Jack is fighting and the camera comes up. I was like, holy shit, that's like... It's so iconic. That's like the Bond image that I want as the poster. I want my whole wall of that. Why is that iconic? I've never seen it before. I mean, it's just... It's Bond, it's Britain. It's just awesome. Like, it's... But there's no... I mean, it's not a... I mean, it's a new iconic thing, then, okay. is what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying it's like... That the, just that scene and the way it's framed and it, you know it, they use the whole frame. It's like this huge. There's Britain and there's Bond. It's it's awesome. So there was a lot of that, and that is what added to it immensely for me. Even in the server room, 
Because it was very yeah. symmetrical with yeah, the elevator. It's just... I never see that attention to detail in an action movie. And, you know, Bond is an action movie at heart. But that kind of attention to detail in the visuals... Nah, they don't. They'd never go for that. You'll see it in an arthouse movie or a Wes Anderson movie, but you'll never see it in that kind of. Well, movie. not true. Now you have. And now, I'd be disappointed if it didn't look as good. But it as won't that. be him next time, will it? Well, Seth maybe because he did such a good job. Like maybe you'll come and do it again. Damn directors who do multiples. Um, directors of photography, yeah. No, of this, I mean, of Bond, multiples. Yeah, it's a good question, one that I can't answer. But yeah. So that is my favourite thing of all. Um, the opening credits, we have to mention opening credits for Bond. Always make the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I mean, it's literally like, a, I, I'm excited to see the opening credits. What movie can you say you're excited to see the opening credits and hear the song? It's actually part of the Bond experience. Like, you, you don't do that with any other movie. See, I only have that. I, don't, I just I don't have that the same as you. I always have since, like... As a kid, and like live and let die came on the TV, and I was like, "Look at this!" and like listen to this song, you know, like because they do always. And I'd choose. never watched Bond movies until we watched them a few years ago. And when you go back and watch them all, which we did, it's like this history lesson of music. Yeah. It's like you know, here's the history here's, lesson of a lot of things. A history lesson, but like those, if you just watch those opening sequences, which you probably can on YouTube, just watch them all. Sure. It's like this history lesson of the exactly the time, you know. Oh, it's Duran Duran, View to a Kill. You know what's got you know yep. the music matches the era, and Adele is perfect. Adele does the song for this one, Skyfall. Perfect. She's, you know, what you think of, and she pulls it off really well. It sounds like a classic Bond song to me, um, like you know, like the ones that Shirley Bassey did, like Goldfinger. Didn't she just do one? She did a few, I think. Mm. Shirley Bassey, Tina Turner did one. You know those iconic songs that you know. I mean. So, yeah, I love the opening sequence. And it was really differently done this time, I thought. Like, the last two. One of them had a card theme, Casino Royale. It was all cards, remember, shooting. And then... <laughs> uh, the same guy's Sol- done all three Quantum of Solace, I don't know. See, Quantum of Solace is like a blank spot. I don't know. It was water, wasn't it? Yeah, but who did the song? I don't remember. I don't remember the... It's weird. It's almost like it don't exist. It does, though. <laughs> but but Casino Royale, I know the song. It was Chris Cornell. I can hear the song in my head. It's, you know? So, the the opening sequence in this one is based on... What is it based on? It's based on... Death. Death, yeah. And it features, like, blood. And it's interesting. It's, you know, it's it's got all the elements that you would expect from the old ones, like the woman dancing... And Bond pointing his gun. Those things you expect, right? See, I know Quantum... I've got the poster of Quantum Another Rosales. Way to Die by Jack White was from Oh, Quantum Jack White, right. So that's the White Stripes dude. Right. But I don't remember it. <laughs> but there again, Jack Stripes... Uh, Jack Stripes. Jack Stripes. Jack from the White Stripes makes sense. That, that also is the thing that was the of music the times, yeah. a couple of years ago, right? So, um, it's weird. There's no other film I can think of where I am wanting to see opening credits and listen to the song, because I don't think anybody else does that, right? It's like a minute. It's like a music video for three minutes. You could argue that something like Seven had really, and anybody who the people who did the opening credits do them for um, Marvel Girl, Comics. Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. What did people one. would consider interesting opening credits as well. 
you know, like Spider-Man had the spider, the, even this one and the yeah, other Yeah, but one. they're not. Bond is something else. It almost feels, because it tells a story as well, right? I mean, it... But it didn't all... After, uh, it, what I like about this one in particular, and it does them with them all, is um, it tells the story of the film, but you don't know it's doing that. I mean, you know, I mean, it shows you elements of the film. Yeah. And then when, the, when they happen in the film, it. you're like, oh, yeah, that was in the credits. Like the, yeah. <laughs> so um, that's another thing I loved. Um, I loved the music. The music in general, not just Adele's song. The music, the composing of the music. I heard, like, themes from, I said to you, I heard Casino Royale's Vespa, she was called, right? The girl he fell in love with. Don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think so. I heard her theme at one point, which is interesting, because I was like, well, you know. Bond was caught up about her, right? But I didn't notice that, so I don't know if that was... I would never know. I mean, it that. really screwed Bond up, that, apparently. But, like, I don't. I have to see Casino Royale again to see how he got over it. You, you mean know? Quantum of Solace? Yeah. What did I say? Casino, Casino Royale. Yeah, I have to see Quantum of Solace. I know there's another Bond girl in... He got revenge, for one. He did. He got to kill the person who killed her. Yeah. And then he went on... In this one, he's gone on. Went straight into the next thing, remember? They tried to kill him. That's when the car blew up across the road. That was the opening of that one, wasn't it? Yeah. Great action sequences. Um, One of the things Bond introduced back in the 80s, pretty much, was the big action sequence before the credit sequence. Like, And... They went really crazy with it, and it kind of got it to its climax with Goldeneye, where he jumps off the dam and, like, jumps on the plane. You know, it's really crazy. Like, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and they reined it in, like, with these ones, but now it... Um, it's pretty massive. It's a big action sequence, but it's not as <clears throat> hokey as, uh, you know... Okay, I'm going to have to disagree with you, because two men fighting on the top of this train going full speed through tunnels, falling off the sides, that's about as hokey as it gets. There's no freaking way two men could fight on the top of a train. I really liked the part where... uh, I think you're blinded by it, but it's totally... I'm sitting there going, oh my god, this is like the most outrageous thing ever. What about jumping off uh, a cliff, accelerating with your arms out until you reach a crashing plane... Getting into the plane, taking over the controls and flying one. away. That was Goldeneye. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nuts. It's like I Superman. Think, I don't see that as any different. It's as a bit standing Superman-ish. on the top of a of a high speed moving train. See, I see this is more. It's more grounded than that. That got really crazy <laughs> well, because it's on the ground. No, I mean that got really crazy. <laughs> that got like physics were out of control. The whole thing, like it was crazy. That's what I'm saying about staying on top of a moving train. No, I think you could stay on top of a moving train. Yeah, if you were strapped down and not moving, but running and jumping and punching each other. I mean, I'm just being realistic. No, I, I it's think not it's realistic. Possible. I think it is. Oh god, whatever. Um, and I like. I the wish op- I had the dude's brain. I like the day. opening sequence to this movie mm-hmm. um, because it flowed really well, and I did like. And I noticed, and the director said, you know, I wanted to try and have it like a Russian nesting doll. Like, Oh, I didn't notice that. I noticed that because at the beginning, it's like that very, you know, where he goes up to the people and it's this, it's like the beginning of Casino Royale, if you remember, that's in black and white where he goes into the toilets. Mm-mm. He has a fight in the toilets. Well, this starts off like him, and then it's this real dingy, and we kind of get to learn something's going on here. And then as he walks out of this apartment building or whatever it is, the mu- this this music, this Turkish kind of sounding music starts to come in real slow. And then you're in the middle of this bustling, what is it? like? Um, it's Turkey. Yeah, Istanbul. Well, uh, what's it? Istanbul, right? And then 
it just starts to there's layers on layers. Like oh, this I didn't, is I didn't see it that way at all. He said it, and then I'm like, okay, whatever. No, I know. I, when I was watching it, but I was like, well, he's really building. Like, but it's all one thing. You start here, and you go to there, then you go to there. There's a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, but like building, like, like each part is bigger than the last. Like it's and different, really different too. You know, because you got like the motorcycles, the. Mm-hmm. So I really like that beginning part. Um, I'm glad we've lost, like, you know. Some of the old Bond films, Bond friend, as we used to call him, mm-hmm. where you see the stuntman very particularly jumping off the dam is a prime example. Yeah, oh and my it's god, like, that's... you're going. I was like, that wasn't him. <laughs> why is that other guy jumping off the dam? Why? Why are we supposed to now think that was him? That wasn't him because it was totally not. It was him. pretty bad. I mean, there are some oh really bad moments. Oh, they yeah. don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, I think they do sometimes, but it's mostly. I think yeah. you have to look really close now. But, I mean, it, he does most of them himself. And they do face replacement now, which can really fool you. Like, um, sure. And we've seen that done. They just, like, get the stuntman, take him out of the frame, and put Daniel Craig's face in. If it's done well, you don't see it. So, Well, they just map his face. They don't take yeah, it out. It's, it's, yeah, but it's really amazing. I've seen, we've seen clips of it being done, and they can completely fool you now. Back in the day, Roger Moore, stunt guy, who doesn't look anything like Roger Moore, like you his see body was in the same shape. He's as big a star as Roger shape. Moore if you're looking. And you're like, wow, it's that guy again. Oh, no, I disagree. But Oh, you have to watch those Roger Moore ones, especially Moonraker. Um, I just remember like seeing this other guy who's got more hair than Roger Moore. He's just... But he yeah, does his face clearly all the time. You do see his face clearly. When he's... when uh, Car chases especially. You can pause it and see his face so many times. Right, pause it, but that's not that doesn't mean when you're watching the movie. You when I'm watching him. it, I kind of look at people's faces. You do, yeah, but I wouldn't be able to recognize him. There's no way. I would know it's not Roger Moore. Of course, but I'm saying that guy wouldn't become a star because he's. That oh, guy. I, I wasn't saying he was become a star. I'm saying he's he's in the movie as much as Roger Moore sure. during the action sequences. That's what I'm getting. At. So, um, so uh, that's what I liked about this. I think it's a really good continuation of James Bond. Um, it ends with me wanting to see another James Bond movie, which it succeeded in that case because you know it, if it messed it up, like at the end of Quantum, at the end of Quantum of Solace, which I hardly remember, I don't remember thinking, "Oh my God, they've now it's gonna be great!" Like we've got everything together now. This movie kind of puts everything in place to make a new movie, right? Ah, so you're saying that Bond as a new invention isn't good enough for you. So now that they've put all the old tricks back in, now it's good enough for you. No, the all uh, Quantum of Solace um, out of the thing because I don't remember it so well, so I mustn't have liked it as much. That's what I'm saying because it didn't have all these things in it that you want from a Bond movie. But now they've thrown them back in. They've put the the good old standards back. I think in. it's a really good idea. Right, that's what I'm saying. So I didn't ask for it to be stripped away. I thought it, what I didn't know what they were going to do. They did it. It was great. Now I think it's the wise idea to introduce elements, but completely different, right? You didn't think it was great because you don't remember Quantum of Solace. No, I'm talking about that. Casino Royale. It was a really good idea to to change Bond, like make it more serious and more a better story. The story's actually better than than it had been in the past. It, Sometimes it's really super hokey, right? I don't think mm-hmm. these are hokey. I think this story in particular, Skyfall, is really intelligently written. There's a part in the middle which um, reminded me of Batman, the mm-hmm. way Batman is. In fact, I had Batman vibes for some reason. I don't know if it was the music or the... Are we saying it's good to take... What are you saying? No, I'm not saying they're ripping off, but I'm saying Batman, 
its plot and the way it is makes it awesome, right? It's got a really intelligent story within the frames of a superhero movie. It's what makes it different from other superhero movies. This, I, I feel, I got a, like a Christopher Nolan type intelligent script, like during the middle portion of it in particular. Hmm. I'm not sure. When she gives the speech, when he is in the thing, mm-hmm. how it all is wrapping together, and there's this action going on here. And it felt like a Christopher Nolan movie at that point. I was like, wow, this is not usually what Bond does. It's usually a bit more straight up than this. It's usually more hokey. This is not like, this is better. Hmm. You did you not? I disagree with it seeming like something was all wrapped up. To me, from the very, very... I don't moment. mean it's all wrapped up as a plot. I mean, these things are all coming together in a way like a revealing moment. Oh, right. Because that, I figured, from most of the movie, was the goal. Was right, but the way it's done is intelligently wrote, is what I'm saying. Instead of it just being, okay, Bond's got to have an action sequence here, he's got to have one here, he's got to have one here. We'll go to different places in the world... A lot of this movie takes place in England, the home of James Bond, right? Which is I, I also loved, because they generally ignore England and go everywhere else because it looks better in their estimation. They use London as a character. And that whole middle sequence, which involves the tube train mm-hmm. and London, rush hour traffic and, you know, the middle of London, I had a distinct Christopher Nolan vibe there in the middle. Right, I guess I see it completely opposite. That's an action set piece that isn't to do with yeah, but it but with bolstering the action the story. set piece. It's just revolved around dialogue. The running in the tube. Well, I'm talking, talking uh, when I said come together. It all comes together. The, the anchor is the dialogue from M. They're having a court hearing, and there's mm-hmm. dialogue, and that dialogue includes a poem, which is really, really apt at that point. And this stuff is happening in the in the backwash of it. It's more intelligent than how Bond's ever done it to me. Right. If you get, do you know the scene in The Dark Knight Rises with Bane giving his rousing speech and stuff is unfolding in the background? That is the, the exact thing I'm specifically referring to. That's how it felt. It's a powerful way of doing something. There's this thing happening and it's all happening around it. Right. Did you not get that feeling? The music even mm-hmm. also gave me that feeling. I mean, I didn't. I didn't feel like it stood out. I mean, it's good. Think I of the Bane sequence where he gives the rousing speech in the. I don't remember it. We just watched it. Bane. Yeah, when he goes into the football stadium and starts yeah. speaking to the people, and as he's speaking to the people with his voiceover, we're seeing all the other characters do what sure. is going to. This is this happens in this movie exactly like that. She's giving the speech. We're seeing what um, the bad guy is doing, what Bond is doing, what is about to occur with her speech over the I top. I guess I didn't feel like that was special. Cause it was absolutely... It, it was, I mean, it was one Bond, of the maybe. moments for me where I was like, oh my God. Right. Somebody got this. Like Somebody, somebody loves Bond and wants to make it better. That's how I felt. Right, so you were looking at it from this is a Bond movie perspective. Right. I was looking at it from a movie movie. And I... I mean, it's not an unused tool. I don't I think that it is in Bond movies, it, though. But I, I liked it. I just didn't feel like it. But I don't have that same reaction you do to Bond movies. I wasn't comparing it to others. So it was more like... I know Casino Royale is pretty well written. Here's a tool that gets used in lots of movies. We're getting the 
this, like you said, layers. We're getting an audio layered with the visual that isn't what we're I hearing. I think it was really well done. I actually was... It was the... I just... There's a feeling again. Well done for Bond, maybe, is what you're saying, specifically. Well done for any movie. Because it stood out to you. But in... Bond's never been that intelligent. That's that's my point. It's generally like let's get let's get action sequence to action sequence. This time, it was more no. Let's sit down and have dialogue and let's have more interaction between people instead of people jumping off things all the time. In fact, aside from the big action sequence at the beginning and there is one in the middle, the. Third act, one at the, end. the third act, which gets really huge in some James Bond movies, I thought this one was pulled back a bit. Like, and I like that because we got to, we got well. I'm thinking about it because it's more a character piece. Actually, this whole movie it's about characters, not about action. And I don't want to spoil it, but right. it's about a particular character, and we needed to experience something. I felt that they pulled back from being super insane at the end. Wow, I totally disagree. Because it's well, huge. I mean, it's massive. I don't think it's huge compared to other bomb movies. There's like 25, and there's like the... Yeah, there's the, action. Don't don't get me wrong. It's but massive. the final part, the act, is... We don't normally get that. We get Bond walking away in a big cloud of uh, flame behind him, and the music plays, and then he's back at MI5. You mean they're just being more delicate about this particular thing? Yeah, there was actually more of an interest in the character. I feel that Bond himself, I know better after that. Mm. You know, I know, like, his relationships with other people. I felt them. And there are a couple of older Bond movies where you feel the relationship, but then it did get a bit lost in its... We've got to go to space. We've got to... Do you get what I mean? The see, I don't look at him that way, so I don't know. I don't see. Yeah, that. I guess if you if you watch those eighties ones, but I have, I've seen them all. The characterization is barely there. It's like here's the bad guy, mm-hmm. and let's climb up things and punch but each other. I believe my and I've seen them all. All the Pierce Brosnan ones. We're examining more, even the one with um the one that I'm going to recommend, where the wife he's married, the wife dies. That's an exception. Yeah. That one. Right, but that's still one of them. So that's one of those where we really get to understand about that yeah, but portion there's of a whole life. Se- there's a whole section of Bond movies where you don't get to know anything else about him, really. It's just like... See, you know, I don't think you could know anything personal like no. dead parents and stuff. But I mean, his fortitude, his cleverness, the way he deals with things... The one with the oil pipeline, I mean, you get a little bit more there, and that's a Pierce Brosnan. There's a lot of very cartoonish, one-dimensional Bond movies, I guess what is, is what I'm getting at. This is not one of those. Right, but this one isn't the only one that isn't, is what I'm saying. No, it's not. But you're kind of making it sound like it's I a think Bond a lot one. of the 80s ones are that. what I was just saying. One-dimensional action movies. Money cow. Yeah, almost like... Or what was it called? Yeah, like, we gotta be bigger. Like, somebody is in those movies saying... We had an explosion last time. We need an explosion in space this time. That's the, that's what we're going for. It has to be bigger than what we did. And bigger and bigger. And even Barbara Broccoli... Like uh, Mission Impossible X-Men. 2 kind of wasn't the same quality mm. as maybe the last Mission Impossible. Or the one that you liked so much with... What's his face? Your guy. The J.J. Abrams a, directed one. The third one. With, I like. What's his face? The guy from... The last... <laughs> Paul... 
Anderson movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Philip one. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right, where it's just a little more... And that was the, where J.J. Abrams went in and said, Mission Impossible is actually really good. Forget that, like, what we were trying to do there with John Woo. John Woo kind of did this. Right, but the first one was good. The first and, one was great. Right. The and second one where the... John Woo did it was like, oh, my God, they're just trying to be big. Right. Like... like driving motorcycles backwards and shooting with both hands and it's just crazy it's like insane and it's not like mission impossible it's like some martial it's arts it's his movie. vision yeah, yeah 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 so i feel that bond took different ways and i like this way so um that's everything i really like about it i think it's great um i love the can watch many bond movies the lady in the middle of oh, both the ladies in fact so oh, did oh, you get them on the cast yeah so overall, you uh, liked it a lot. Yes. You liked it better than, or you just... To me, I think, I mean, I don't remember Quantum of Solace, but I don't remember disliking it. So I'd have to I see... Th- I remember just being a bit, yeah, because I loved Casino Royale. And, and I knew it was the sequel, and I knew it was going to answer questions that were raised in Casino Royale. But I don't ever remember feeling satisfied with it. Like, I don't remember going, okay, now that's it, now we've got... They stick together well. Felt they felt a bit because it's very vague in my mind, and that's weird because I love all Bond movies, and you know Moonraker's not vague in my mind. Why do they have to fit together? Because they were direct pairing. It, it started where the other one. Yeah. Ended. I mean, okay. it, it was it was the sequel, whereas this is a standalone like what's next kind of thing. Those were supposed to stick together, and I feel like they didn't that well. Like, because it was so strong, that first one. Casino Royale. I could watch it now. It's so good. Like, and it's really involved and different. And then I think this one, the the Quantum of Solace seemed to go back to more action. Like, let's just have action. Because I do remember action, and that's it. I remember the plane flying, and the the big hotel blowing up, and people shooting. That's kind of it, though. Mm, Maybe you should watch it again, then. Because I doubt that's all there was to it. Uh-huh. I know that there was more to it than yeah. that, but if it leaves you with that impression, there's, you know, because I've just got the impression of Skyfall. I know what we'll, I will remember about it. It's got very remember the bad guy for one, and I- incidents that happen that mm-hmm. you cannot forget. I-, I will not forget this. You See, know? I have things that I remember. We'll get to the cast. So let's get to the cast. Okay, so Daniel Craig plays 007, Mr. James Bond. Um, Intense. Yeah, he's. I at first I didn't know because you know it's really hard. It's like Doctor Who what we watch. I never know. Oh, they're going to replace him. You know, it's inevitable. We can't have the same one forever. And you know, I kind of like Piers Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really did because I loved Goldeneye. It wasn't always good quality. If you watch them, it did get a bit cheesy. But I kind of liked him. So I was like, oh, who's going to do it better? You know, you always think that. And then Daniel, then Casino Royale blew me away kind of thing. He's really in there now for me. Like, it's almost like, please don't let him never be it. Well. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You're a hundred-year-old Daniel Craig. Yeah, he's not going to do it forever. But he's James Bond to me. And that means he succeeded. Because if I think of James Bond now, I think of him. No, you don't. You first think of Sean Connery. I do. Then you think. <laughs> I know you better than that. I do think of Sean Connery as well. Sean Connery's my favourite Bond. Um, but yeah, I do. Th- I think of Daniel Craig, so it works. You know, well, he's he's um, intense. 
he's good looking. He's showing his age a little bit, which I like. Like he's a bit older now. Like um, when we saw the scene from Casino mm-hmm. Royale, which doesn't seem that long ago. Two thousand six, though. Right, but seven years. Yeah, but he looks. Seven years does a lot to. He really does, and particularly I, in your forties. And I like that because he looks a bit more like you know. He's had a hard time. Yeah, a really hard shit. time. So yeah, I, yeah, Judy Dench plays M. I didn't realize until today, but she's been playing it for seventeen years. The guy said, um, so she she's a come over from Piers Brosnan's years. Mm-hmm. I've always loved Judy Dench. You know, she's a mainstay of British television. If you ever watched British television, you you would have seen her. She's. Um, she's a very good actress, I think. I don't think that this role was particularly challenging for no, her or anything. No. But I do feel she She might the, disagree, but it doesn't appear that way. Right, I do feel she has the air of authority that I believed when he walked into her office. I always believed the relationship and I believed what she stood for and what she would do for him. And she stands for the bureauc- bureaucracy, bureaucracy side of things, where she's fighting a battle... With allowing her agents to do certain things, or will she? Yeah. Will she look bad if she lets them do? You know, and she makes She's decisions. She's old school. Yeah, she is, and I, I liked her in it. I, I kind of neutral myself. I want to but... speak more, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, Javier Bardem plays Silver, is the baddie. Oh my God. And he's the. You'll know him if you've seen No Country Javier. for Old Men. Say, say, Javier. Javier. If you've seen No Country for Old Men, he's the buddy in that too, and it, that is just and the don't what's the one? Don't cry. Which one is it? Where he's the the gay man in Cuba? It was fantastic. God, yeah, I, I forget what that one's called. Yeah, amazing. But yeah, um, No Country for Old Men is where you would have all probably he can't, he got an Oscar didn't he for that? I believe. So, so what do you think of him in this? He's amazing. He's always... Beautiful. He's just intense. No, I think so. He's just... He's every little tiny movement and everything, every time he twitches his head and moves his hips, every single thing, he's come to a decision performing that person. And he even described in the extras he has to identify with something about this psychotic person. And he finds it. And then you're... It's like, oh, well, they went and found a psychotic man to play this part. Yeah. Because he actually feels that way. See, and it did bring me back to um, old Bond villains. And I know that was the idea, but it does. I mean... Yes, before Night Falls. Yeah, but it does in more... In, it's in a more, like, realistic way, like everything about this new Bond is. But, I mean, this guy owns an island kind of thing. He's like your quintessential Bond villain. I know Blofeld is kind of a bit silly and stuff, but... This guy's like the new version of that. He's like this psychotic... He has the potential to be the... Yeah. 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 You know, I know there was some... <laughs> I'm going to yeah, run the world. Yeah, he is do- <laughs> Dr. Evil. I mean, he's that guy, but he's more scary than that. I In co- his own special way. Like, I was never fully scared of Blofeld. Or, I was never fully scared of them. Even the Christopher Lee one. They're just a little bit hokey, so it, it kind of never... Man with a Golden Gun. But this guy is just a maniac, and we see something that he does mm-hmm. that just there's no denying he's a complete maniac. And um, what he does, he, he's odd. It's really weird. He does this speech when we first meet him, and then he <laughs> touches Bond up basically in this sexual way, 
which I've never seen in any Bond film. So it was really interesting. Well, you're, because... I think you're overstating it because it's just a come on. It's not. There's nothing else going on. There's no private parts no, being but touched. No, it's, it's just... as far as it as ever. We've never seen Bond get hit on by a man in that. And and I feel Bond's a misogynist, right? I feel like he, I feel he is. I feel he has some empathy. I don't think the new one is. The new one's not, but he has been, right? And he's been a racist. He's been all kinds of stuff, hasn't he, Bond, in his time? Well, I think that our if you, perception if you, of it, but if it you wasn't look at that. It closely, he wasn't really. It's just our perception. But now. I think he's been a misogynist. Women mean, don't mean a lot to him, apart from some exceptions. There are a lot of women who he bangs and just throws away, right? That's the deal. But he always seems to care. I don't he, didn't, think... he didn't want the girl to be dying of the blood, of the gold poisoning. No. He didn't want the oil... I still feel like he uses... Even the one who was bad, he didn't want to kill her. He's done some bad... I don't think he's, think he's had the most... But in this one... And I know he's not getting hit on him. But it seems strangely sexual what's happening. And the, the comeback which Bond gives mm-hmm. him. I've never seen that before, so that was interesting to me. Like... Um, and and he's so creepy, this buddy. See, it's interesting. You, everything you say is that it's almost like every second of watching a Bond movie, you are... The whole history of it is with you constantly. Yeah. And I don't have that at all. So imagine I'm watching a movie. You're watching any movie, just a movie that you've never seen and you know nothing about it and you're just watching. Now I have a little bit of... I've seen them all, but I don't... I don't watch it that way at all. My eyes are completely different. It's void of any like, oh my god, somebody's touching up Bond. It's more like a manly dude. No, but I don't think, oh my god, I think this is awesome because... Right, but I'm saying What would Bond do in this situation? I don't know. Right, but you're still... You you feel like you have a lifelong relationship with this person. exactly. I feel like it's a character in this movie, in this moment. But you were late to watching Bond. I've watched Bond since I was a little kid. I know, I'm not... I'm not... Getting at why you see it that way, I'm saying imagine seeing it, uh, like the way you view it is probably the way lots and lots of people view it, and I don't, and I'm not the only one probably, but I'm not seeing it like, oh wow, you know, James Bond, until he starts to talk about it, and then you're like, okay, because I feel like the character is established, but I start over on every movie almost. Right. You know? Uh, So, I think he did an excellent job as a bad guy. Um, I couldn't... Every moment of every single thing. I couldn't wait till he comes back on the screen. I couldn't wait to hear what he had to say. And it is like an homage to like the old baddies of Bond, but with this super psychoticness on top of it, which a subtle when super he's in psychoticness. the chamber thing, and he's like, yeah, it's just everything about it is really because he's thought out things very carefully. He's got a complete confidence. He never wanes. He never fakes anything. He doesn't fake being weakened. He doesn't fake being, you know, like, oh, I'm in the down position now, and then bada boom, I'm on top. He's he's just the same all the time. And he's never shaken, like, um, like exactly. Like That's what I'm saying. A, yeah. yeah, he's being pursued. Yeah, there's nothing that rattles him. You know, hardly. and he's being pursued, yep. as, and he's as a policeman, and he. Yep. yep. It's just just everyday life to him, isn't it? Whatever he does, absolutely. It's just nothing. Like, um. So yeah, awesome. Uh, Ralph Fiennes plays Gareth Mallory. Um, don't get much of him so we're going to have to wait and see yeah it's going to he's important Mm -hmm. you'll find out why and um, I like him I feel like he's very steady influence at this point yeah but he's behind he backs up the fighting side of Bond right you know the 
guns and the thing. The but bureaucracy he's also bit is line, kind of lines the bureaucracy thing. He understands that politics. But side sometimes of it. he pushes it to the side in in favor. Yeah, of, this time it was sort of yeah unavoidable, but but still. I think when, it'll be when, good when to the see hacker more dude about. was like, mm, yeah, yeah, he was like, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, and then we've got the Bond ladies in this one. So we've got Naomi Harris who plays Eve. Um, really good. Very good. The only Bad thing shot. I dislike about not her specifically, I disagree with that. I don't know what you meant by that. There was, a t- there was a part where she runs up to the bridge, she fires every single shot out of a pistol into the bridge, and there's people like. Yeah, but she doesn't hit the people. She doesn't hit the people, but it's so That's bad. why she's good. She doesn't hit anything, actually. She doesn't hit anything. Well, with the baguette. I just didn't see it that way. But um, the only thing I don't like about and it's not her probably specifically, but there's this one British accent that comes out of some people where they have a bit of a list all the time. And that drives me... No, it's a thing. It's like a learned thing. Like part of... And I love English accents, obviously. British accents. But that sort of... It's a put-on sort of thing. And I don't... I just always have a... F- when, but it's an upper-class English accent. That's exactly. Right. Other than that, I thought she was... She could be American her, for all we know. They made her a little too... Cute. Funny for Cute. me. Cutesy. Um, do you mean cute in her dialogue? With yeah, them? yeah, like, yeah. Like quippy. Like, yes, yeah. exactly. Like the mirror falls off the car, and he yeah. says, "You're not going to need that." She knocks the other mirror off and says, "I um, won't need that one either." Yeah, like, exactly. It's like she was there for the comic relief almost, but yeah. it wasn't overt. It was just sort of oh, uh, eye eye rolling comments. And the, yeah. Um, just to... Well, that could have been less. That was hokey, but it could have been less hokey if it had been more sexual. Instead of it was like you knew there was. It was just there's a brick wall there between them, but she was so I just I don't mind her when you separated them a little bit more and she got to just do her thing, particularly the action scene and stuff. She was fine, and then in the yeah. part fine because she'd relaxed a little bit. So yeah, they didn't overuse her either, which Mm-mm. I was afraid because we don't want to say who she is. Yeah, I was afraid she was going to be his. Um, partner yeah. for the entire thing because she starts with him I was like oh well he's going to have this female sidekick now but we didn't get that in fact we did a little bit but not it didn't always Mm-mm. happen uh, and the other the Bond girl I would say for this movie because we always have a Bond girl is Berenice Marlowe I think that's how you say she's fantastic and she plays Severine she's, she's called- uh, there's a moment when she's talking with him face to face up close and she's supposed to be sort of overly confident, you know, sort of suave. And her hand is shaking and her lip is quivering. But she's And her eyes kind of like keeps going over. But she's still keeping what she is what she's supposed to be. Pretending cool. not to be afraid. Cut. And yet you can tell that she is hiding a... a com- she's terrified she's of just every a movement. She's a on a string. Yeah, but and she does it. Like, I was just transfixed. And she's she a French actress. Amazing, amazing. Uh, yeah, and um, sometimes they overuse the Bond girl. I'm talking about Halle Berry. <laughs> <laughs> that one time. <laughs> yeah, well, there's been times. Um, Terry Hatcher. Yeah. Sometimes it's a bit too much for me. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah we know she's glamorous and you're going to shoot Wasn't her. was Terry Hatcher in the same one with Halle Berry? Terry Hatcher was in Goldeneye, I believe. Oh, right. Oh, was it that? Di- no, it was in Die Another Day. That's a Halle Berry one. That's no, it. yes. And then we had Christmas Jones. You know, sometimes it's a bit too much. In this one, I feel like they reined it in a bit. Like, it's was not... Was Halle Berry Die Another Day? Yeah, probably. That's one with Madonna. Yeah. 
Ugh. I didn't like Halle Berry with the ice castle and stuff. But oh, that is Die Another Day, the ice castle one, because I just played the video game with the ice castle. Bit. <laughs> yeah, it's really, and they didn't even get her to play the character. So I like the beginning of Die Another Day, but I don't like Halle Berry at all, and so that kind of. No, and sometimes they get a bit like obsessed with the Bond girl because they got Halle Berry. So let's mm. have her in it a lot. And I don't want that always. In fact, in Casino Royale, she, I liked that lady. Mm-hmm. And so did Bond. And it made sense that he, yeah. she was in it a lot. But in this one, they didn't go over. But yes, yeah, she's beautiful, this lady. Yes, yeah, she's filmed classically like they do for, with Bond movies. But they don't overuse it. And yeah, I really liked her. But I also like... See, that's the thing I do remember about Quantum of Solace. The lady who yep. was in it. The I remember lady. her. She was really cool. Like, I liked her. <clears throat> I remember running across the desert with him. See, I do you remember got a that. poster of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, why you remember it. So, uh, and then Albert Finney crops up here as Kincaid. I love Albert Finney. Don't know what it is. I feel like he's like my granddad or something. I never really cared that much no? about him. Hmm. I liked him here. See, I feel like he's a little creepy old granddad. So I've never really loved him that much. I loved this character, though. A character who... Some old dude who hangs around the house as a groundskeeper. Yeah, but but the the deeper meaning to that that he knows about Bond, he knows the he knows about him, knows the family, knows the. He only knows that though. He doesn't know anything else. He doesn't know him. He only knew him. Then. No, but I mean, he's he's like a piece of his past. Like like Alfred in a uh, Batman, right? Like a, like somebody who's. So on I disagree because Alfred knows everything. This yeah. guy knows nothing. He only knows this about Bond, and, and the, that's it. And the. The parents. He knows sure. about the parents, yeah. Which Bond... But he doesn't even know what he does for a living. No, he doesn't <laughs> So, but I'm I like, not I was just an old man who had to be in the in there to represent, look, we're going from... And in the novels, which Ian Fleming wrote, Bond's parents lived at Skyfall Lodge. And that's what Sky, the Skyfall references here. It's his ancestral... What do you call it? Family, that's what they call it, ancestral. Family home, ancestral home. It's called Skyfall. See, I didn't know that, so it was a nice surprise to me. So, unfortunately, hopefully we didn't ruin that for anybody. But that, to me, was a huge, like, oh, moment. So, hopefully that's... See, if you've you've not read the books. (laughs) Not read the books. Um, So, last I put down uh, Ben Wishaw as Q. You know, the young Q dude. I can see him... He's trying a little too hard. A to little be the bit. uber geeky guy. Yes. They try to make him look like a cool geeky guy. Yes. Maybe he's been watching too much. He's uh, been reading GQ and being a geek. <laughs> and making and, sure his hair's perfect. And, he's, uh, and watching that show. Big show. Bang Theory. Yeah. <laughs> he actually looks like he stepped off the set of exactly. Big Bang Theory. So that's a bit disappointing. It's, it's a stereotype. And he was too cocky. A little bit too cocky and not enough. He was pretty cocky with Bond, wasn't he? Yep. And Bond's way Not singing. accepting yet. It was new, so he's not accepting yet his his role. Bond needs to put him in line, actually. Give him a punch in the face, is that what you're saying? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> he probably will. Just hopefully that something he does in the future will fail miserably, and um, Bond's but... method will prevail, and then we'll have him put in, in his In fact, that's classic, right? That that Bond gets this like gadget from Q, and it's like going to solve the whole problem, but then Bond goes, oh, screw it, and punches the guy in the face instead. Like, Oh, is that classic? Yeah, isn't well. That's what I'm saying. That, that there have been in the past gadgets that don't help him. Just plain brute force helps him. Already. Right. Um, so yeah, that's probably. He's going fine to happen. though. I just want to see more. So this is directed by Sam Mendes, uh, who we all know from being 
directing such wonderful movies as American Beauty, uh, Revolutionary Road, Away We Go, and Jarhead. All also, he's married to What's-Her-Face. Married to Kate Winslet. Right. All awesome movies, by the way. Still married to or divorced? Still right? married to. Got kids. But yeah, that's who he is, Sam Mendes. We all know him from American Beauty. He won Oscars for American Beauty. Um, he's got a certain touch, but you wouldn't recognize this movie. What so I feel that he's got. Stamp or anything. This is what I feel like he's got. And this is why this movie succeeds. He. Definitively. Yes. I can tell he is a fan of James Bond. I can tell he wanted to make the James Bond film for a reason. I don't... Yes, he'll get a lot of money. Sure. I feel like he wanted to make a James Bond film because he's a fan of James Bond. He's a British guy. He can't get away from James Bond. He loves it, and he doesn't want it to be shit. That is what I got from him. And he makes a lot of money. Right. And yes. he'll raise his profile. But I feel like he he wants a good... He wants James Bond to be good. And he set a foundation for future films with this one. And I think he did a really good no job. No guarantees. No, and it's it's unfortunate it's so good. You know, like I was talking yep. about how well it looks and how much attention to detail is paid to this movie. It's unfortunate that that's such a high bar because it's such a high bar to come in if somebody else comes in now and goes, holy shit, Skyfall did everything well. It had an awesome body. It looks amazing. The music was fantastic. Everybody did a good job acting. Okay, now I've got to come in there. Maybe everyone doesn't feel the same as you. Maybe not everyone will say. Right, but look, amazing. even <laughs> just visually, like this movie. But is... someone else might come along and go, oh my god, they turned Bond into some fucking art project. Yeah. No, I want straight up camera shots. I want more action. I want more explosions. I was in love with it. I, I tell you, I could have just, I could just go in there on the TV, put this Blu-ray in, pause it. <laughs> in fact, the menu of this Blu-ray, which we didn't watch for too long, but I ended up watching the menu after we, the movie had finished, is... Those shots, the best like, shots, like the best shots, just those frame shots where I was like, yes, it's, it would make an awesome thing to, just to look at. Like, it's visually stunning. So, Sam Mendes, fantastic job. What's his next project? I saw it on the list, but I forget. I don't know, I wasn't looking, but it's... And for oh, anybody who hasn't seen Revolutionary Road, it's amazing. It's, all it's of those fantastic. movies that I just mentioned, Away We, away we Go, it's I amazing. I thought he did The Reader. No. Because I thought there was something about her acting for her husband. No, he didn't do that. Being naked in front of her husband. He didn't do that one. Then maybe he's not her husband. He is her husband. Hmm. I could have swore that was an issue. Nope. So, um, maybe he did do The Reader. Maybe I just didn't write it down. I I thought I wrote down all these notable movies, though. I mean, those are good enough, but I'm just saying, I could have swore that was part of it. Maybe he was on the set for The Reader. If you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I know there was another one that we hadn't seen that he directed um, called Road to Perdition, which is a big famous movie that I never saw. Yeah, he did not do it. No. But um, he's a great director. I've, I've liked everything he's done that I've seen. I, I don't know I like Road to Perdition. I just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it's my kind of movie. So, um, So yeah, that's directed. So Blu-ray extras here. Um, and I have to make a uh, note for the slit, for the um, cover of this movie. Pause. I just found he's doing the next project is a TV series called Penny Dreadful. Whatever that is. So um, continue. The cover for this movie I think is fantastic as well because uh, it's not your typical uh, Bond cover. Um, do you like this cover? Yes. It's a white. See, Blu-ray cases always have to have blue on them. It really bugs the shit out of me. Why 
all of them have to have this blue. They're growing out of it, though. Yeah, they've grown out of it here. So it's just white and black, and it's 007, and it's cl- quite clearly 007. Really good cover. So, blue ray have that as a poster, actually, without the words. It, it is the poster for the movie without... Well, it does have the words, but... I meant the word... Oh, was it say at the top? That's the Blu-ray. Yeah, I would have that gone. Yeah, well, it doesn't have that. But there, the poster is that. Um, And here's that iconic shot, Mm -hmm. but no, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, that's it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, I can look at that shot again. Because there it is. Um, (laughs) Just look at the back. On the the back, there's a shot of Bond stood in London behind him. So, um, the Blu-ray extras here. um, And this disc claims the, the extras are... The movie Skyfall in high definition. I don't think that's actually that's a good the extra. extra. I think that's the actual movie. Plus, the high definition would be the extra. Plus over a dozen new featurettes. Now, these are featurettes, but you can watch them all. And it actually just makes this big, all-encompassing making of Skyfall thing. They last for an hour. And we watch the whole thing. And it breaks it down into all the different things. The only thing that wasn't Was that a whole hour? Yeah, it was an hour. The only thing that wasn't covered was uh, costuming, which I thought would have been, but it wasn't. But they covered the Bond women, the car, the gadgets, the body. Because what they would have said about costumes. We wanted Bond to look, um, you know, like a masculine, but not over, not military. A bit 1960s. We want him to appear to be a man who's broken and who's, who's rising from the ashes, the phoenix. And we did this thing on the leather for his outfit. And we have these little tiny details that no one in the whole fucking world will ever hey, know is there except for us. Those people were very happy. And then the woman, I'm not saying they don't, but this is what they say. And then the woman, we wanted her dress. She is a Bond girl. Uh, we wanted her dress to be sexy, but strong and show that she's a powerful woman who's been through a lot and um, we went through all... You know. <laughs> so yeah, there isn't any of that. <laughs> so yeah, this this is actually how you should And do. that's how they all talk, just like this. All really calm and really slow and... Correct. <laughs> so this is how you should do a making of um, because it's actually informative. Mm-hmm. There's lots of on-the-set things with Sam Mendes. It's like actually on the set. It's not like hey, let's all just do some talking heads and talk about each other. It's a proper documentary if you watch it all as an hour-long thing. Plus, as well as that hour-long documentary, there is a commentary by Sam Mendes, and then there's a separate commentary, when you've listened to that one, that is Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson uh, and the production designer, Dennis Gassner. So there's two separate commentaries, one about the director's look of things, and one from Barbara Broccoli, who is... The owner. The owner of the franchise, as well as... Producer. Producer, yeah. I mean, the producer is also the American guy. And then you've also got Skyfall Premiere, where you can go and see the premiere. You know know what I'm saying. The red carpet. And... We didn't watch that. We didn't see that. We did not, but it's on there. I watched it when you'd gone. Oh, right. And it was real short. And that's it. Digital copy. Um... The movie looks fantastic. I can't deny it. You'll want to watch it over and over again. I will. I've watched Casino Royale a few times now. Um, I'm going to go and watch. I'm going to go and watch Quantum of Solid, but I have to watch Casino. I have to watch them both. So Skyfall. Now you can watch them all three. Why don't you just start from number one? Yes. Maybe that'll be my next project after I'm done with all Star Trek shows. I'll start. By I'm going to actually re-watch all the Bond films. Maybe we should do that soon. We have to do it together? Yeah, it'd be perfect, wouldn't it? Watch them. <laughs> like we did last time. Yeah. One at a time. Well, some, we did three one day. Two days, I think. It's easy did. to do that. Yep. 
Because they're pretty. We got up in the morning. Addictive. Watched one. Got some food. Watched the next one. And then we're like, okay, one more. <laughs> and they didn't last very long because we just took us a couple weeks. We could. We could. How many is there? Twenty three. It's almost a month's worth of movies for you if you do one a day. Mm-hmm. You should do that. Just watch one a day. Well, so. Um, DVD extras, quite a lot. Conclusion, great DVD. I mean, great Blu-ray. Actually, comes with the DVD as well. Great movie. I was thoroughly entertained. I always am by Bond. It doesn't really matter. Even the bad ones. <laughs> I'm still entertained in a way. And there are bad ones. Yeah. It's not a perfect bunch. Um, so, thanks to Fox for the Blu-ray. And if you want to enter a contest, go to com. You can enter one. Next week's Blu-ray release on the... Next weekend is Oscar weekend, so what better to review than the seven-time Academy Award-nominated movie, Argo, from Ben Affleck. So we're going to look at that and see whether it's... If we decide it's worthy. Yeah, I think Skyfall's actually nominated for something too. So we're going through these movies. So uh, yeah, Argo for next week and um, the Oscars, which is very important. So the new movie game, what is it? Movie year. <laughs> If you can't figure out the game from the name, I'm not sure about you. Movie year. You say a movie, I guess the year. I say a movie, you guess the year. All right. Go for it. Mine is for you <laughs> on the subject of this movie. The very f- First off, let me ask you this question. What was the very first Bond movie? Not counting that Casino Royale TV show. Because that's Doctor the one... Doctor No. Doctor No is correct. And that's the one you'll be guessing the year of. <laughs> oh, right. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to guess yep. <clears throat> 1963. 1962. Oh! oh, oh. <laughs> I thought I was pushing it by 63. Yeah, but you did. That was pretty good. Pretty close. Mine is Animal House. Oh, do. Animal House. 1981. Do you make me want to rethink it? It's Animal House. Oh, it's probably in the 70s. I'm not trying to give you any hints, I'm just saying. 78. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Oh, that's right, but I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> Here, no, your final answer is 81, so you're wrong. Oh. <laughs> 80. It is 78, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 when I rethink it, I get it right. Yeah, I gave you that one, so that doesn't even count. Yeah, I can I can believe it was that late in the 70s, actually. Could you believe... Well, you were really close with James Bond. I, I knew it was right at the beginning of the 60s, but I would... I, I was would, trying to think of yeah, the time... I don't think uh, I got it right. I think I'd have said 1960. Hmm. So, um, movie recommendations this week. This is where we give you some movie recommendations. Me, usually based on what we just watched. You, just random movie mm-hmm. recommendations. Not random. Sometimes. Something There's inspires something about me them. to recommend them to so you. So mine are my two favorite Bond movies that are not the new Bond movies. But they both start with a G. They do, and they both have the word gold in them. <laughs> gold finger. And it's Goldeneye is my actual favorite Bond movie aside from these new ones. Goldeneye. 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 It was Tina Turner, the song for Goldeneye. How's it go? I can't sing it. <laughs> yeah, but how's it go? Bush City Limits. What? That's the only Tina Turner song I know. Not Bush City Limits. Really? Yeah, they call it Bush. Is that good, <laughs> Tina Turner? Oh I have to do this as well. <laughs> you know, you didn't you don't see know the... Proud Mary or no, 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 no. Tiny Dancer. I mean, not Tiny Dancer. That's Elton John. <laughs> yeah. <it is. laughs> Private dancer. I'm, I'm a private, private dancer. dancer. What's the thing you're doing with your <laughs> arm? She's got something <laughs> wrong with her. 
Does she do this? No, she doesn't do that. She does something with her legs. No, you're doing that with your leg. And your eyes got his arm all bent up every time he like she's... pretends to be Tina Turner. <laughs> <laughs> like she's got some kind of horrible I'm disease. Your private... Maybe you're doing this. I'm doing this with this microphone no, in I'm my No, I'm actually hand. doing some private kind of... So yeah, Gold, GoldenEye <laughs> is my favorite. And, and then my sec- my finger. other one is Goldfinger, which is Gold Shirley Bassey. Goldfinger! Yeah. <laughs> so um, they're both good. Uh, GoldenEye, Goldfinger's really cheesy, but I really like it. Because when I was a kid and I saw Goldfinger for the first time, and I saw that naked lady covered in gold, and then realized the concept of that, that you would... You could die from it. Yeah. It scared the shit out of me. I was scared of it. <laughs> and I was scared of the guy who did it. And it made that whole thing different for me. Like, I was scared of that bad guy because it's got the Midas touch, man. Nice. And mine are uh, Joe and the Volcano. Now, Joe and the Volcano is Tom Hanks, of course, back in the 80s. Correct. And... You have actually uh, said that one before at some point. What do I remember? Why did it inspire me? My nephew and I were looking up stuff. And I said, I look up stuff all the time. And then all of a sudden I saw something that said, oh, we were on a website and over on the corner it said, did virgins ever get really thrown into volcanoes or sacrificed in volcanoes? And I clicked on them like, oh, Joe and the volcano. That's how that happens for me. Sort of, you know, my mind sort of works that way. Uh, Not that, well, it did actually have something to do with that. But it's really quirky and it's really says something about mundane jobs in the beginning if you remember when he goes into his job it's like this weird green color and you hear the lights like buzzing and it's really horrible and there's no life to it then he goes on this adventure you know polynesian island and volcano and just changes his whole life it's good it's not maybe good but i mean i've remembered as being really fun and entertaining and the other one is as you can see it's not random but one of my very favorite Bond movies is On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Because it was a full story. It seemed really long. It was almost like two movies together. Because you go through this whole section, and then boom, this happens. And then this whole other weird thing up in the... It was Lazenby, the, that one, right? Yeah, that was up in the on the mountain with all the women yeah. and the... You know, and then there it's was a love the wife. story, really. Yeah, and it was one of those that could have led to them having Bond be an emotional guy, but then they just sort of dropped the whole Well, I feel Casino Royale kind of brought that back a bit. That's why that Vespa's important. I agree that that was a throwback to, there has to be a woman in his life who has, he's truly loved, and that, you know, so... That is not M. And I think it's got good action. I think it's, I like the Lazenby guy. I don't know why anybody doesn't, but that's one of my favorite Bond movies. All right, so games and Ace Coley stuff this week. Aliens Colonial Marines. Remember when I said there's a new video game that's the mm-hmm. sequel to Aliens? It's a load of old shit. Do not play it. Don't tell people what to do. You I'll play say, it. Everybody play I'm it not, and feel you like you wasted sa- your money. You just did the same thing. I'm saying, you think it's shit, let people choose for themselves. Yeah, it's terrible. But don't go near it. Don't... Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. It's so fun. Like, definitively, you're telling people I'm saying if do. you spend $60 on this, you it's are not- insane. But what if they love it? I don't think you will. It's so badly done. I don't think you will. It's bad. It's full of bugs. I... So you were duped. It's really bad. In fact, the last Alien game, which was really mediocre and so disappointing because it was so mediocre, this makes that look like a masterpiece. 
What's wrong with people? It's such a perfect thing to make a well, great let, game. Let me out tell of. you this, right? Isn't it? It's what like would you most... like if it, if you if there was an alien game, which is what this is? What would you like to shoot at? You know, people. No. What What would you the like? Alien. To sh- what would you like? To, yeah, alien. You'd love to shoot some aliens, wouldn't you? Well, the, the alien. Your motion tracker would. You'd like the motion tracker beep. Telling if I'm you when coming it's coming. off of aliens, yes, because that's you want to know when it. You want to see the motion tracker. You want to hear them coming. You want to be terrified by them. Yeah, you spend eighty percent of the game, and I did finish the game this week, shooting people, which is so much of a missed opportunity. I was like, okay, we're going to shoot some people, aren't we? Because they're Wayland employees, right? Okay, makes sense, right? Sure. Wayland's the bad guy, so we got these. They've, they've come to get rid of stuff. So they're there. They're, they're what you shoot most of the time. Occasionally, you shoot some aliens. It's very occasionally. It got to a point where I was going into a new level going, okay, this will be the alien level, and it just never happened. Like, it happens occasionally. What's but the story? I don't want to give the story away, right. but it's... <laughs> if you don't... If it's so terrible. It's the... No, well, no, because you might want to play it, but it's the... These colonial marines, it's after the events of aliens, literally, like, minutes after the events of aliens took place. Okay. These colonial marines are looking for Ripley. She's not... She's not On that to, planet again? Yeah. Okay. And they come in to... They've been sent in to look for her. Find her. You're not probably not going to find her, right? As we know. <laughs> From the events of Aliens. Um, so, there are nods to Alien along the way. Because you're going through the, pla- you're going through the ship where aliens, where aliens take place. You see Bishop ripped in half. With all the milk coming out of him. But, it's, he's ripped in half on the floor. You see him on the floor. Lance, Hen- Lance Hendrickson does reprise the role. I'm trying to remember the end of Aliens. Precisely. Lance Hendrickson does reprise... He actually is the only person in here who does the voice acting of a, a bishop. As you know, bishops mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily... they The one bishop... There's lots of bishops, right? So he does come in and play a bishop. Which is kind of cool. But that's as far as it goes. And when Fox was saying... Hyping this game up by saying... This is... In the canon of the whole Alien. The sequel to Aliens. It stands as that. They should be ashamed of themselves for saying that, because it's not. So there's no story involved? There is a story involved, but it's just super lame. It's just you shooting at Wayland people. Because they're trying to cover up something. Yes. And for six to seven hours, shooting at Wayland people, with occasionally, they introduce this one new alien type, which is really cool, but totally underused. There's this alien type that is completely blind. It can only hear. So you can stand in front of it, but so long as you're perfectly still, it does not know you're there. You can't smell, it just knows movement. So there's this one particular... They, they let you know that there's this kind of alien type. And then they send you down but in But you this, don't know which one's which. No, you do. It looks different. Okay. They send you down in this really dark area of the ship down. And you're wandering about. It's kind of like sewer, like the, like the sewerage part of the... You're wandering around and somebody says, stay still. And they just come at you. Loads of them. And they're right up on you and you've got to stay still. And I was like tense and it was really good. And then you leave that area and then they're never used again. Oh. And it was so tense and it was like a moment from Aliens. I was doing it and I was like, 
okay, we've now now the aliens are here. This is awesome. And they are all stood around me. They were surrounding me. And I was like... They look good? They look pretty good. And I'm stood there. And I'm like, don't move, don't move, don't move. And I felt like that inside my head, right? So right. that worked. And then we go and shoot some more dudes. It's... I don't know what they were playing at. If it's an alien thing, shoot aliens, right? Have more aliens. Shoot aliens, do puzzles that help with the ship or with the... And have you're scary... In a colony. Like, yeah, you've got the rights to the... You're not on a ship, the, you're on a colony. Though. Yeah, and you've got the rights to the alien franchise, so... You you made up some new cool blind aliens that are interesting. It's an interesting thing. Like, you know, stay still and you're okay. Interesting. Do more of that. Because it's so boring shooting dudes. Because I play Call of Duty. <laughs> you shoot dudes, right? I mean, most shooters, you shoot some dudes. When you're in the alien world, aliens are more interesting. They're more badass. They're harder. And shooting a person should always come with some sort of moral dilemma. It does not. You're, in that you're, to- sort of world. Right. And it does, I guess, because they're bad guys. But no, you're an actual murdering machine that kills yeah. thousands of them. People who thing. just happen to work for Wayland Corporation. Right. And you kill thousands of them be- between the beginning and end of the game because they just come in waves of, like, 30 at a time sometimes. And you, there's a, there's a, there is one moment where you get in the... Mm, what yeah. do you call that? I don't remember. The thing that Ripley gets in and says the bit, you know... Like the bitch, a walking pallet jack. Yeah, there's a, there's a part when you're in that, but it's got guns attached to it. And you shoot lots of men, not aliens. You don't get to fight with the alien again? No. It's Is there so... an alien queen? No. Ugh. There are some aliens. Eggs? Any eggs? Yes, lots of eggs. That you shoot? You can. <laughs> you can or you don't have to. You look, just really, you look very sad. Yeah, it's so sad. Thing. It's like, what, what? What? Like, why did you do this? Well, they're making these games. You think they know it's shitty. Do you know what? When you get the Alien license, which is like a big deal. The difference between someone like Mendez making a yeah, Bond movie and right. someone making an Alien game who just wants to make a bunch of money. Right. And they don't give a shit. But the, but the unfortunate it. thing is, the guys who made the game, Gearbox Software, they've made awesome games in the past. There's no reason that they would make a shitty game. Unless they were in a crunch and it was like... We don't want to focus on the aliens too much. But... Like, li- hey guys, get this done in six months and we'll give you a yeah. bonus. But listen up, guys. The game is called Aliens. But there again, you did put the words Colonial Marines in there. So, yeah, it's more about the Marines than the aliens. But it's not. It's about the Whaling Corporation. It's about sh- Marines shooting men. That's what it's about. So, I think I'll actually call it that Marine shooting men. That's a good name for it. So, With yeah. Aliens coming in now and then. I can't recommend it, unfortunately. Um, I've also been playing Test Drive Unlimited 2, which I've talked about a million times, but it, they, they had a sale on Steam for Test Drive Unlimited 2, a game that I actually paid $60 for on the 360. The PC version was on sale last week for $0.99. Cents. <laughs> and you know the reason? Atari have just gone out of business. Really? Yeah, they've been sold off to somebody else. Wow. So Atari games on Steam are kind of... <laughs> you notice this big sale of Atari games. And for a dollar... That game is insanely good. Imagine how much money they can make by well, dropping Imagine the price. how much money they made that day when they dropped that to a dollar. I bet I don't know how many people. The digital Steam. world. It's like they're it's like companies haven't caught up with the concept of if you sell ten thousand copies uh, downloads of a game right. for ninety nine cents, you've just made ten thousand dollars. Whatever your overhead is for the server and the whatever, that is like versus having to try to manufacture, put in boxes, ship them out to stores, 
How much? How much are you make? How much more are you probably making off of this digital world? So lower the price. So Atari go out of business, and then somebody buys up their rights to these games and goes, "Well, these are older games. How do we sell these?" Mm-hmm. And then somebody goes, "Oh, why Make don't we cheap. put them for a dollar on Steam and see what happens?" Yeah. And then they sell, like you say, they might 100, sell a thousand copies. They might, or more than that, right? Steam has like twelve million users. Maybe they sell a million one right. day. It's a million dollars. That's for how an old people game. who make iPhone apps make a million dollars, right? Because they sell for ninety nine cents and a million. People and you've got buy this it. old game sitting around that is never going to sell unless you throw it in a bag and bin in Walmart. All those old copies, yeah. And digitally, yeah, you've made your investment. Right. You've just got to pay for the upkeep, and then so. So if you see it, it's not a dollar anymore. It was for a day, but it oh, isn't now. Nice. Tease. But if you see it go for a dollar again, which I assume it will. Based on what? Because they do. Whenever games hit rock bottom on Steam, whenever they have like a weekly blitz, because on a Wednesday they do like this thing where they knock a load of games down in price to get you to buy something, you'll see that game crop up over and over again. Because somebody somewhere said, yeah, but- when you... Oh, right. So you've seen it before for 99 cents. I've seen... No, I've never seen this game before, but I've seen a game go down to 99 cents, go back up to $20, and then Steam sales come around, and that game is always in the sale for 99 cents. It's like somebody at that company said, whenever there's a big sale, you can put it in there. Yeah. So I think you'll see it again, and it's totally worth 99 cents. It's an amazing driving game. i also been playing a tiny little bit of the new Metal Gear Rising, entitled... Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, which is like revenge and vengeance in the same word. It's, it's kind of a cool word, revengeance. Um, I've played like the first six hours. I'm really enjoying it. It's not like the old Metal Gear games, though. So if you're a Metal Gear fanboy, you're going to be like, this is a Metal Gear. It's more of an action game like Bayonetta or Devil May Cry or God of War. Where you fight, you've got loads of combos, there's bosses to fight, there's enemies to fight. And you play, you don't play Solid Snake, you play Raiden. Which a lot of the Metal Gear fans don't like Raiden. Mm. So I'm assuming this isn't for the Metal Gear fans, it's for the fans of action games. But it has all of Kojima's, even though it's not made by Kojima, it's, but it still has his influence in there. And Kojima, the creator of Metal Gear Solid, adds all weird wacky shit to his game. That makes it feel really... But he didn't make this. He didn't, but he had input on the script and stuff. So that stuff exists in this. Metal Gear Solid's renowned for like having 45-minute cutscenes. Which people say, a cutscene that lasts 45 minutes, that's too long. Why would you want to sit and watch a 45-minute cutscene? I actually like to watch a 45-minute cutscene. It's awesome. Because you play in your game, and then there's 45 minutes of exposition, right? It's like watching a movie. Okay. Or it could be like super action-packed for 45 minutes, like watching an anime, which which is what this one is. There are cutscenes that just look amazing and last for 45 minutes. There's not as many of them in this. Sometimes there's a 45-minute person's head in the middle of the screen with dialogue scrolling and somebody talking. That's what people don't like. People don't like that. There's a lot of that in this. I enjoy it because they talk about weird shit and it's really weird. Sometimes they just have a conversation about what movies they like between each other. It's really weird. Seems out of place, but it's Kojima's thing. So, Metal Gear's Rising Revengeance is an action game. It's really good. The graphics are incredible. For this late in the 360s, I'm playing it on the 360 lifespan. They look like next generation graphics. It's like super, like they've, every single thing that the 360 can do, they've packed it on there. Like it looks, you've seen it, you've seen mm-hmm. me playing it. it. looks really good. 
Like, no jaggy edges, just real super detailed. So I've been playing that. I also watched a movie this week called uh, The Pirate Bay Away From Keyboard. Uh, you can get this for free on YouTube, or you can go on the Pirate Bay and torrent it if you want, if you want to be... <laughs> well, it's not naughty. Well, it's completely it? legitimate. Yeah. So it's about the story of the Pirate Bay, and if you don't know what the Pirate Bay is, it's a torrenting site. Torrenting um, is? A legal download site, but they would say it's not. So a downloading site, let's say, where you can get things legal or not so legal. It's peer-to-peer File sharing, sharing yeah. yeah. So these are the founders of the most famous... Um, if you remember Napster mm-hmm. back in the day, that was the most famous music file sharing thing. This is the most famous movie, music, everything file sharing thing. And it exists and it still exists. And this is the story of the three founders who got took to court by Hollywood and other copyrighted music industry. And it's the story of them living through the court case. And it's not dramatized it's a documentary um and it's fascinating and it shows you both sides of the law and it doesn't make them look like the superstars which i thought it might do because they paid to have this documentary made makes them look like assholes a lot of the time (laughs) so i liked that about it because it's warts and all it's not the pirate bay is awesome yeah and these guys are awesome because they're pirates and Fuck digital management and <laughs> these guys are your saviors. No, these guys are kind of asshole-ish. And they're not doing it for your freedom. They're doing it for money. I didn't get that impression either. Hmm. But I did a little bit. Because somebody in court said to one of them, So how do you make money out of this? And he said, We don't really. We just do this because we can. We like technology and we are interested in IT, etc. And the guy said, the, the court guy said, so why do you have porno ads on every page? And he said, because we get some money for that that we continue doing our IT from. And the guy said, millions of dollars? Because I can calculate how much them porn ads would make on a site with your traffic. And the guy just kind of shut his mouth and just right didn't have an answer for that. And they kept asking them, where does that money go? How's it split between the three of you? And there was never a clear answer to it. So there right. was people getting away with money. Big money. You know, when a site like that is getting millions of hits a day, a porno ad sure. is making them a lot of money, right? And somebody gets some money. people will be clicking the porno ads, which yes. isn't just clicks. <clears throat> You're going to get money up from people. It's big money, even, just, even if it's just the page impressions. There was big money that they were kind of going, huh, money, huh, huh? We don't have much money. Look at us, we're scruffy and we... Don't really have a good computer. That was the kind of vibe I got from them. Right. But they're held up in the in a cave where they have their IT thing. Well, that that's where expensive. it is now. But Yeah, I'm saying that sounds expensive. What they did with it was, in fact, they, sh- they took you to show you the Pirate Bay several times during the documentary. One time it was in the back of an internet cafe. So they went in an internet cafe, went through to the back, and there was a rack server that was connected to the internet. And he said, this is the Pirate Bay. And it's just one, one rack server, which you know mm-hmm. what, what that is. And then another time, they went in the back of another place, and they're like, yeah, this is the Pirate Bay. And it was a whole room. And then another time, it was a mountain, which is, sounds ridiculous. So you sure that's true? Well, watch the movie, and um, you'll see where it's housed now. And it's still online. You can go to the Pirate Bay but right now. But how do you now. know that they're being honest? Because it looked 
they showed you it. Like, to come I know, up. but how do you know they're not just taking the piss? Like, of course we're not going to show you where we are. Well, they're not showing you where we are and they take you to see it. But I don't... This is, I don't think it's bullshit where it was. They just walked you to it. But you can't tell where it is. Yeah. But you can tell where it is. Like it's, What the environment yeah, is. Yeah, what the environment is. Do you know, like, on The Amazing Race, when they went down to that mm-hmm. mushroom cave? Yeah. It's like kind of like that. Like, in the... like In a cavern. Buried out of a cavern, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's the Pirate Bay, away from keyboard documentary. It's available for free. It's in Dutch. Swedish or Dutch? Whatever language they're. Dutch. Yeah, Dutch. Is Dutch. <laughs> Swedish or Dutch? I don't know. Well, it's subtitled. But... It doesn't matter. It's so fascinating to watch. Um, there's a couple more um, announcements I have. The Last of Us, which is Naughty Dog's new game, which is uh, the makers of Uncharted. They're not doing another Uncharted. They're doing this game called The Last of Us, which is about this zombie outbreak, which looks incredible. It looks like one of the best games that we're going to see this year. It's supposed to be out in May on May the 7th. It's been delayed till June the 15th. So It's been delayed by a month. And June the 15th happens to be the week of E3, which is an odd game, odd time to bring a game out, because games get lost in that E3. I think it's the perfect time. No, any game, traditionally, that comes out in E3 week fails. I'm not saying this one will, but it seems I a I think it's off. the perfect time, because you have everybody converging on Game World. You get it out on that weekend, loads of people are going to hear about it, loads of people can go, oh, it's here, oh, look at this, I went on Amazon, shit, I can go downtown to Buy Spy right now and get it. I don't think this game needed that, because it's been so... Right, but I'm saying, this whole, because I heard GPD talking about it too, and I'm like, why can't they just put their game out when they want? Well, they said they needed, um, and I, I believe this, they needed another month to polish, and Naughty Dog make amazing games, you've seen Uncharted, it's, it's, it's fantastic, I mean, it's... So they're not going to suffer. No, it's going to be a triple-A amazing-looking game. They needed a month to fully polish it up, they said. Which I am glad. Give them two months. Give them five months. I'd rather have a better game than a rushed game. Talking like aliens. And what's, I just think, what's better than to have... you got millions of people, dudes like you, sitting around at home, on your internet, watching E3. Dudes that you watch who do their little interviews and do their little playthroughs and interview the people and they're going, this is the game and what does it do and blah, 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 And they talk about it and he says, oh, yeah... You can go to Walmart right now. Right now, you can pause this video, go to Walmart and buy it and try it for yourself. It's like the best advertising you can possibly hope for, in my opinion. It makes perfect sense. I would have rather have it on May the 7th, but a month is not too bad. I mean, it's not as bad as the Grand Theft Auto 5 delay, which yeah, was like Yeah, but then you'll months. have it, and then they'll talk about it, but you've already played it. So talking about it and then getting it and playing it They've talked better. about it forever. I've seen all I need to see. In fact, I've put myself on a media blackout from The Last of Us. <laughs> I don't watch videos about it. I don't... It, it looks in, It looks yeah. like... You know, I loved Uncharted. All of them. And you love Walking Dead. And this is by the Uncharted people. It's that level of quality. And it's a zombie outbreak. I don't know if it's zombies, but it's like that. It's The Last of Us, the end of the world. Right. And it's a dude, and it it looks like Uncharted, but it looks like a horror game, like Resident Evil as well. Looks amazing. I don't need to see anymore. I, I've I've bought You're sold. it. Yeah. So the other thing is on the twentieth, which is this Wednesday, the PlayStation Four will be announced. That's what they're saying. So that'll be on the twentieth Wednesday. But you don't know that. Well, it's the Sony media briefing. We are announcing something new. And everybody says... Everyone says it, but you don't know yet. No, I think it will be. Uh, There's too many leaks come out. Um, NeoGAF has a lot of developers in there. 
and I've seen photographs this week of the controller, and none of this looks fake, if you know what I'm saying. It's like, obviously, if there's a PlayStation 4 in development, people are making games for it right now, right? Sure. These developers. They have one, or they have a development kit that will be like a computer that is it inside, but it's not the finished product. Because they have to make games, don't they, a year before it comes out. There's lots of developers on there who've sneakily posted pictures of the controller and the specs of the machine. Sneakily, you reckon? Leaked it. Leaked it is what I'm saying. Yep. So the controller looks just like the controller that we've got now, but it's got a... You know, like the Vita has touch on the back. You can Mm -hmm. touch the back of the Vita while the front of it has touch on the new, new DualShock. That's what's new about it. And it looks... Like a real one, if you get what I'm saying. It doesn't look like Speaking a Speaking of touch, completely off topic. It's not like I'm not listening to you. But when you said touch, touch a screen. Don't, totally off topic here. At my job, we share computers. People touch the monitors. Not just touch them with their grimy fingers. With the ends of ink pens. So we have ink pen marks on these $400 monitors that we just got. Huge 27-inch monitors. People are such idiots that they poke and poke at it. Look at this. Look at that. Actually, oh off topic there as well. <laughs> I'm just saying. If James were... Bond put his finger on the screen. He did. It annoyed me. <laughs> he touched he it real hard. He poked <laughs> the screen. I was like, it was a Sony laptop. What's wrong with people? He poked the screen. I was like, James, get your finger off the screen. <laughs> Craig. I wanted the geek Daniel, guy. I wanted take... the geek guy to be there and say like, hey. No, there are geeky people at work who grime it up all the time. Right. I bet touching it with an ink pen. Because yeah, I've I, seen that up in my service. Oh my god, I found a bunch of marks on the one that I use, because we share all of our, we don't have our own computers, we have to share them, we have shifts 24 hours twenty four hours a day, and I was like, what is all this, what's all this weird scribbly, and there were little faint ink marks all over the monitor. That's insane. Oh my god, if you do that, first of all, it's not your property, it's like destruction of property. We work for the state government, for goodness sake. You're destroying... You know what I mean? It's like it's it's like carving your name in your desk or something. It's ridiculous. But anyway, like I said, off topic. And finally, in my Games and Ace stuff, we were playing um, Sly Cooper last night, which is Sly Cooper Thieves in Time, a.k.a. Sly Cooper 4. A.k.a. Spy Fox. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was but there's, a, there's a level in there called Bentley's Games. Bentley's Games? Yes. And it's... You go back in time in this game, it's Thieves in Time, and one of Sly's ancestors is a caveman. So it's back in 10,000 BC. A and, raccoonist caveman? Yes. And it's, he's really funny. He's called Bob. <laughs> and he talks like a, you think a caveman would talk. Like we uh. think cavemen talk. Like, <laughs> and you don't know what he's saying, but Sly seems to understand him. So it's kind of funny. But he's out of shape, because he's never... And we need him to do... Because he's really good at climbing. So Murray puts him through the Murray... Well, it's the Bentley games. But it's like a series of challenges to get him fit. And one of them's like whack-a-mole. <laughs> one of them's like um, baseball, but hitting penguins like in, into the distance. These silly games. And it lets you do each one, and there's six of them. And it's very, very easy. You do each, You do each one of them. And then you think... And he, they give you a gold medal and say, yeah, now, now you're ready, Bob. And I was like, cool, now we move on. No, now you do the games for real. And the games for real is three minutes of all those mini games you just did, randomly. 
like with a montage sequence in between each one and the Rocky music is playing. <laughs> right? So that's really cool. Well, it's not cool the 50th time you do it because oh. it's so hard. Right. Oh, that's what you were doing the whole hour. I did it in the end. Austin tried it. I tried it. Austin tried it. I tried it. Austin did it. I tried it. Austin said, I don't think I can play it anymore. I said, no, I'll give it one last go. I sat there. <laughs> and we've been doing it for an hour. And it was just insanely difficult. And it's not insanely difficult because it's difficult. It's insanely difficult because there's one challenge and it's the last thing you have to do. So this whole games thing takes about three minutes. It's stuff, 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 stuff. The very last game, when it says, okay, now for the final push, is a six-axis game where, if you know what six-axis mm. is, the controller, the Sony PlayStation controller, has movement sensors in it. Now, all the other games are using the stick and the buttons. The very last game is... Bob is holding a log in the air. A dinosaur drops an egg on the log. And you're on a floating platform in the river. And penguins jump onto the floating platform, causing the platform to rock from side to side. You've got to keep the egg on the log by moving your controller left and right. right? And you've got to stay on the log for 15 seconds. And more and more penguins jump on and you're... "Ah, ah, ah." So it's like a juggling act. It's so imprecise, that six-axis thing. (laughs) It's almost impossible to do it. Austin actually said, my nephew, I think this part is impossible, let's just not do it anymore. But there was no continuing on in the game. You either do this or that's it. And I said, it's not impossible, nothing's impossible. I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it, eventually I did it. But I couldn't imagine, like, a kid who this game is aimed at ever doing it. Maybe you're overthinking it. (laughs) <laughs> no, I wasn't. It's just the Im- impreciseness of that control system and what they're asking you to do. But you weren't... Oh, that wouldn't matter. It okay. seems insane that that even exists. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, they should have it in there. And then after I said after a few t- tries, say, do you want to continue with this story? Or make it super easy, at least. Or make it easier. Or make it so you can do the thumb. If, the, if it was the sticks, we'd have done it first time. It was just the fact that it was the six axis. Um, I just hate it. It puts a damper on the whole Sly 4 game because I'm always going to think of that. But you guys had so much fun. It, was, it wasn't was fun like for the last 30 minutes of doing it. Right, but I mean the whole game was fun. Really fun. The game's really fun, but that whole thing is like a difficulty spike where I, I was t- thinking to myself, did they actually try it? Did they play this? Or did they give it to a bunch of kids and they just did it first time? Maybe. I was even questioning, is my six axis working properly? But it, it is working properly, it's just so hard. So, um, if enough people complain, I guess they might make that part easier. Or... Have you seen people complain about it? Yeah, I have. I went and looked, and there's like loads of people. How'd you get past the Bentley games? How'd you get past the Bentley games? And the answer was perseverance, just keep doing it. <laughs> and some people were like, Well, I've been doing it for three days now. Oh. Every time I turn it on, I'm just doing it and doing it. So, Bentley games can eat me. But don't let it ruin the whole game, because you had a great time. You no, laughed it, No, I'm times. saying it doesn't ruin the whole game, but it's a... Disincentive to continue. Well, we're past it now, so that's cool. Right, but if you couldn't have, it would be... You I think would I, have I, no motivation to I move I think on. I wouldn't have had the motivation. I was just in that kind of mood where I... Determined. It's, it's a challenge now, and I'm going to do it. And my nephew had given up, actually. <laughs> he was, like, done, and I was like, I'm just going to do it. And look Did you have to like sit up finally sit up. and like be all straight yes. and perfect? Because yeah. and... you both sit very relaxed and yeah. sort of. Well, we were sat up perfectly for the whole hour. Because <laughs> that's part of the six axis experience. If it's not completely level when the game starts, it's off. Right. So yeah, we had to 
sit and I'm sitting with my arms up <laughs> like this in front of the TV, you know. Eventually we did now it. No, you had to hold it perfectly set or did you have to move in order to... And you move it to, okay. to move the lock. So you couldn't have just set it on a table. No. <laughs> Which would be perfect. And that's the idea. You hold it in both hands and you do right. this. It's the same as doing this with the... Um, it's super annoying. Six axis controls in the PlayStation controller. Let's hope the PlayStation 4 does not have them. Because every time it has been implemented into a game, I don't matter what game it is, it's crap. Uncharted 1 had... You threw the grenades with the six-axis, right? So you held a button, you pulled the six-axis back, mm. and then a, a curve sh- came up, and then you threw the grenades with it. It was terrible. The grenade never went where you went, where you wanted to. It bounced off a wall and hit you in the head and killed you all the time. In the second Uncharted, they completely removed it, because they knew it was shit. But when the PlayStation came out, and they needed to show off all the features, everybody put that in there, right? So, six access, get rid of it. Don't want it in the new PlayStation. Or make it better. I don't... Just do away with it. It's not needed. The sticks do it better. It doesn't make sense. So, um, that's my stuff for this week. Sidsar, what's for dinner? Tonight, we'll be having ancient Roman bread, which I baked today with our nephew. He's in Latin We're club. eating that for dinner? We're going to have some of that bread, of course, because I made it Oh, today. we're having soup, yeah. Yes, we're having soup. I found no chicken noodle soup. By Amy's, which is no chicken, vegetarian noodle soup, which so you don't like. Noodles, so I got you pea soup, or you can have How do you know I don't like it? You've said before you don't like chicken noodle soup. Oh, no, I do not. Yeah. No. I know stuff. And so you're going to have either pea or tomato soup, whichever you want. Tomato rice soup, the one that you liked, or pea soup. Pea. And I've got these no chicken tenders as well from Light Life. I'm going to just fry them up with vegetables and the bread. And the bread is because uh, Austin is in Latin Club. He's a sophomore in high school. And they have a thing near the end of the school year where they have a feast and everyone gets to bring something. It's all ancient Roman recipes that we were practicing. So we did one that was like tofu. Oh, no, no. I don't think they had tofu by then. It was supposed to be shrimp cooked in this sauce with like honey and parsley and wine. And instead I cut our tofu in kind of the weird shape of shrimp, fried it up and cooked it with the sauce. And it was quite good. And we have a little bit of that left over today too. You should have made it with shrimp. I mean, I know we don't eat shrimp, but for him, he, he would eat shrimp. He ate the tofu. Oh, oh. Well, he what about the people it. when you make we make it for them? You've already asked me this, and I said I will make whatever they want, whatever right. he wants. I would prefer to just make the bread since we don't eat meat anymore. I'd rather not have to handle and deal with any meat. But um, the bread is like it's so good. It's a different kind of baking the bread. You mix a little bit of the flour, the yeast, and the water, and you let that sit overnight it's to make like the yeast sponge. Then the next day, you add in the rest of the flour and some more water. You knead it, and you don't let it rise much. You let it rise for like a half an hour is all. Then you make these round things. You slice them up. You put them on a... We bought a brick, a big square oh, yeah. brick. Put it in the bottom of the oven and to like be authentic, like an stone. oven stone. Yeah, or like a stone oven that they would have used. And it worked beautifully. It didn't stick to it. It just slid right on, slid right off. And the bread's like super crunchy on the outside, as you tasted. But it tastes... Ama- it's like... It's not too yeasty. It's like sourdough, kind more of. like French bread at the same time. Yeah, and I think the sour comes from you letting the yeast sit all night. So it gets that sort of like, you know, fr- but it's it's a hint of it. It's not like overt. A little tiny bit of salt, so it's really good. I'm inspired now to make bread more often. And then our soup and our tenders and the vegetables. So that's it. Cookies for dessert. And then um, I was going to say that if you are, if you're a person I went to high school with, 
which I doubt very seriously, but if you are, I'm remaking our Class of 1986 website. So it's Class of 86, all spelled out in words. I was in the Class of 85. Right. Well, that's, congratulations. You were also 5,000 miles but away. But that's really weird, though, isn't it? Yes. Because you're but in 86, you, I'm in 85, but you're older than me. But you're younger. Than, how did you be Class of 85? Because you graduate when you're 16. That's, and I was 18. I was in 1985. That doesn't make any sense. It does. It doesn't. I was in 1985. But I was 18 in 86. I was 16. Oh, that might be right. <laughs> <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> you were 16 at the mm. time. I would have been 17, which was right, because you're younger than me. Okay. But anyway, I make, I just, all I'm posting are all the scanned pictures that I have from high school and yearbooks and memory books and all that. So it's just class of 86, all spelled out in words. Dot com. Yeah. And then I have this thing where I'm trying to, with art... I've been drawing more, trying to, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, like you think about people who are obsessed with sports or people who are obsessed with playing golf or someone obsessed with video games. What is that? Why do I have a connection to art that, you know, my whole life it has, and I, I don't even remember the beginnings of it. It's not even like, I lived in a tiny town. We had no art galleries. We had no art really on the walls. We had Stuff from Walmart or stuff from home interior parties or framed pictures of family members. We had no sculptures around. We had no paintings, really. No one in my family did art. It was just me. I remember my entire life scribbling and drawing and and looking at things in ways of like, wow, I wonder if I could draw that shape and I love that line and look how that, that light pole in the sky in the shape between it and that tree, and look at that tree in silhouette. I mean, my whole life I've thought of that. I just wonder where, where's that come from? Your brain. <laughs> Thanks. Problem solved. And then um, my advice is to try new things. As in us making the Roman bread today and trying some other new things. I'm always into trying new things. And I think that some people are afraid to fail. Like when you say to people, you know, we're vegetarian or whatever, and then like, oh, I can never be vegetarian. I'd never know how to cook it. Well, look it up. Yeah. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to cook everything vegetable based. I didn't know how to make, you know, quote unquote meatballs. Didn't know what ingredients you could possibly use that weren't meat and bread and eggs. You know, but then I learned, and they don't always turn out well. But I'd rather make mistakes, like doing lots of things. Than to, like, never do anything so I don't make any mistakes or mess something up. Because I, I just get the vibe from so many people that they're terrified of, in anything in life, making a mistake, saying the wrong thing to the wrong person. Um, I won't even ask for a different table in a restaurant because I don't want to offend somebody. I don't want to, like, try... Not that that's doing something new, but this thing of, like, not rocking the boat or not doing something... Everything just needs to be, like, perfect and even and straight and, like, don't shake up anything. And I don't get it. Like, I, I don't get that. So I say try something new and do something that unbalances you a little bit. And that's it. Okay. So um, I want to remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sit.com. Catch us all on the social networks. All of them. Should I say all of them? <laughs> no, I don't know about all of them. You're on most of them, right? Me? I'm at aschoolie. You're at sit.com. Twitter, that's about it. You're not going to find me on Facebook because I'm not your friend. No. Well, I'm some of your friend. You some can. of you are my friends. 
You can catch this podcast on the uh, the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace. I do have some very cute videos on YouTube of myself. So if that inspires you to go to YouTube and look up Sid Talk, C-I-D-T-A-L-K, go for it. Or the RSS feed, um, which is now fixed. I have fixed all the links on the RSS feed so they all work properly. You can email feedback to me at ascoli at com, And don't email Sid Talk. She really does not want any email from you and finally stay classy Mr. Bond James Bond Mr. Bond James Bond and I'm going to say think for yourself or someone will do it for you